Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Welcome back to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast. I'm Chris Peterson, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Danny Gillette. And Danny, how are you doing, man? It's back to uh, post-Christmas. Uh, I know it's been a little while since we did one of these. Been busy for the holidays, but uh, how was your Christmas, man? It was good. I uh, didn't get much, but I bought a lot of my gifts that I would have wanted during the year. And, um, you know, I'd say I got a pretty good present with the Dylan Rayola commitment and uh, this 2024 class, so I'm not complaining terribly. Uh, I know that you got some new headphones. You're not using them right now, but I'm excited for you to debut those on the show. So definitely, yeah, I got some uh, got some of the Beats by Dre, so that was pretty sweet. Um, so you know, thanks to the family that hooked me up with that, and uh, yeah, but the Dylan Rayola, you know, commitment that was the probably the best Christmas present that I got. Although as a Packers fan, I'm still holding out hope. I was hoping that uh, defensive coordinator Joe Barry would get fired, but it hasn't happened yet. Although uh, I'm pretty happy with the play of Jordan Love, so I guess I'll take that as my Christmas present this year. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Love uh, <laughs> putting up stats comparable to uh, rookie year Aaron Rodgers, I believe. So, you know, in New England, we have Bailey Zappi and uh, Mac Jones. And actually, we beat the Denver Broncos on a field goal from uh, Chad Ryland, who's actually missed like seven or eight kicks this year. So although it doesn't help in our tanking pursuits like I would have wanted, um, you know, I'll I'll take a Christmas Eve win. It's always nice to get a W. I mean, no matter what. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be an interesting situation to see what the Patriots do there. I'm a big Bill Belichick fan. You know, I've loved the, the Pats throughout the Tom Brady era. It's been rough these past few years. I have not, I have not watched many games lately because it's been, you know, pretty rough. So I'm not going to search out the Pats on the Sunday ticket, you know. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they keep Bill around. I think, you know, maybe they could find a quarterback. Uh, but. At any rate, you know, Nebraska has found a quarterback, and we're going to talk about this here in just a minute. Before we get to it, we're going to talk some 2024 recruiting class uh, superlatives. Before we do that, if you haven't done us the big favor of uh, hitting that subscribe button, uh, please do that so you don't miss any of our content. Um, hit that like button. It really helps us out. You know, get into that comment section, too, because we just love talking uh, Nebraska football. So let's get into it, man. The first, uh, this is a, a Big-time class for Nebraska football, a top-20 class according to 24-7 sports team rankings. Um, I believe it's eight blue chippers. Um, it might even be up to nine now. I'd have to double-check my counting. I'm not sure if that includes uh, Dylan Raiola or not. But uh, we're going to go through kind of our signing day superlatives. We do want to, uh, you know, preface this that, you know, obviously we realize with many of these things, you know, Dylan Raiola could be the answer. So we'll probably, with some of those, we'll probably, you know, say Dylan Raiola and then, you know, mention somebody else. So it's not just us spending this entire time talking about Dylan Raiola, although I do love talking about his future impact here at Nebraska. Yeah. But in uh, any rate, so first, biggest first year impact, we know, um, I'll just leave the floor open to you, Danny, since it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of topic, a conversation about Dylan Raiola, you know, potentially being the starter or not. So I won't limit him from this first topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. What's, what's your first, uh, you know, biggest first year impact in this class? Honestly, Carter Nelson, I think, could be the biggest first year impact because I believe Nebraska is, you know, they, they did it last year. They ran a two tight end set and uh, a two tight end set of Thomas Fedoni and Carter Nelson. I mean, that would just be the dream. Um, I mean, Nelson, you know, we talked about his positional versatility, but I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a tight end. And, you know, it's the way he runs after the catch, runs with the football. Um, 
you know, the tight end is also the quarterback's best friend in terms of a safety valve. So I could see Carter Nelson making the biggest first year impact. Definitely. And, you know, I would say obviously outside of Dylan Raiola, who I believe will start that first game against UTEP. Um, yeah, Carter Nelson is definitely a guy that, you know, I would have near on my list. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. You know, they even Matt Rule talked about using him as uh, some running back. You know, you have the um, Walter Payton uh, tweet that he said was about Carter Nelson, you know, diving over the pile into the end zone. I am interested to see how that looks with the positionless, uh, you know, offense and type of stuff like that. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit of a different route with the biggest impact, and this might surprise some people, but I'm going to go with Roger Gradney. And um, the reason I'm going to go with Roger Gradney is because I just think he's a freak athlete, man. And I, I think he's probably the most underrated recruit in this class in terms of abilities, like 6'3". Um, I don't remember quite exactly how he's 180, 190, but he can really – he can really play and as a defensive back i mean just uh, go watch his highlights like he is super impressive and uh, i just think he's going to get on the field early next season and outside of dylan riola um you know i don't know that there's going to be a ton of guys making like a super early impact on this team because there is a lot of uh, starters returning but i think in that secondary if you have a guy like that who can you know have his type of athleticism and ball skills too being a wide receiver i just i just feel like he could be um, you know, a guy that makes an impact besides Dylan Rayola, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and Roger Gradman. Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's a lot of very under under the radar players on the defensive side of the football in this class. And I'm excited to see how, you know, Tony White works with them because he certainly put his players, meaning White, in a position to succeed last year. Definitely he did that. And, and uh, they were impressive in how they utilized, you know, their freshmen, uh, Cameron Leonard, Prince Wellumamalian, uh, Maverick Noonan was getting some, you know, playing time. Uh, Riley, Riley Van, Van yep. yep, Riley Van Poppel. So, you know, they're not afraid to, and and I like that. I mean, I remember back to, you know, when Pete Carroll was at USC and they were like, you know, one of the programs that like started playing, you know, their freshmen like right away. You know, like if they had big time freshmen like Reggie Bush and those guys, they played them right away. And that's what good programs do, you know, get those guys ready, get them out on the field. Like if they're the best player, let them play because they're the really good ones are only going to be there for, you know, a few years. So, um, but at any rate, um, and I should say Roger Gradney, 6'1", 190. I should uh, correct myself there, but I really like him and I feel like he's a very underrated uh, prospect in this class. And um, another guy, I guess I could throw in that mix, you know, first year impact. It, it, it might be tough, but it wouldn't shock me to see Grant Bricks, uh, you know, make an impact or another guy on my radar too, um, Ja'Cory Barney at wide receiver. I was going to even maybe say Vincent Shavers, too. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think he's one of the very, and I guess we'll kind of talk about this now, but I think he's one of the very underrated, uh, you know, commitments in this class. But he just was the MVP, I believe, of the Broward-Dade uh, High School All-Star football game in Florida. I couldn't find the exact statistics, but, I mean, with the talent down in Florida, that's no uh, small feat. No, not at all. And yeah, I, I believe he could make an impact right away. And uh, McGahee too, Willis McGahee, the fourth. I think both of those guys, you know, could definitely, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they're going to walk in here and play right away, but they do have some, you know, pass rush ability as well uh, to play that linebacker spot. And yeah. depending on what happens, you know, Nebraska offered, uh, you know, another transfer portal linebacker, um, X-Re Alexander. I'm not sure if that's probably totally butchered his first name, but um, he's from Idaho. 
uh, played at Idaho last year. Uh, so if they don't add somebody, then there's definitely going to be an opportunity for one of those young guys, I think, to work themselves into the mix. And that could be Dylan Rogers from last year, too. So um, so let's move on to best NFL prospect. I think we can all pretty much agree that Dylan Raiola is the best. You know, he's the number two quarterback, the number six overall prospect in uh, the 24-7 sports composite rankings. So he obviously has, you know, the moniker of being a potential you know, first round pick like a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, mm. somebody along those lines. So um, putting him aside, who do you think in this in this recruiting class 2024 is the best, you know, has the best NFL futures, the best NFL prospect? Ooh, this is interesting. Hmm. Because there's a lot of names that I could put here. Yeah, and there's um, a lot of projection. There's a lot of projection, too, with some of these guys, you know, thinking yeah. ahead. What are they going to be like three or four years from now? Quinn Clark, uh, you know, this is a this is an offensive league, meaning the NFL. And I mean, Clark already has the height at six five. You know, right now he's just as as at one ninety. Excuse me, but I believe you know that's going to change once he gets to Lincoln. Um, he's kind of the tall, fast receiver that a lot of teams want. Um, somebody that can you know present matchup problems on the outside and also you know allow for the slot receivers to get open. Uh, due to the attention that the outside receivers create. So I think Quinn Clark could be, you know, one of the better uh, NFL prospects in this class. Uh, he's got the speed. He's got the downfield uh, threat ability. And I'm interested to see how he is utilized uh, in this offense, you know, because there are so many bodies at wide receiver, but there's a lot of talent at wide receiver. And we were actually just talking about this off the air Um you know, we saw, you know, times where Marcus Satterfield really wanted to throw the football down the field, but we just didn't have the horses to do so. And, you know, with with Dylan Raiola and, you know, Quinn Clark and Clark's ability to get down the field, I think we can finally see the offense that this coaching staff wants to run. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, with the new quarterback, it's going to be an entirely – I think it is going to be different. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see – you know, if they add a quarterbacks coach, I mean, Matt Rule kind of, you know, they, he was asked about the staff at, a, at his uh, signing day press conference and, you know, didn't, you know, kind of look down and didn't want to really address it. So that definitely makes me think there's going to be some changes happening. And, um, you know, so we just we don't know if that's going to be like, you know, if, if a quarterbacks coach is going to want to come in and be the passing game coordinator, if there's going to be something along those lines to get somebody like that here. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But I do think. Obviously, you know, last year, Nebraska threw the ball, I think, as few times as any team in the Power Five. So, I mean, we're going to see more passing attempts next year regardless. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to look more like, you know, more like Matt Rule's offense. Last year, I think they tried to, you know, just do whatever they could with Heinrich and whoever to try to make it work. So this year, I think we'll really see, you know, more of Marcus, what Marcus Satterfield wants to do. Um and quite honestly, Quinn Clark and Malachi Coleman have a lot of similarities in their game. So I'm interested to see how those two potentially play off each other. Yeah, Quinn Clark out of Montana, definitely. You know, I've seen him play in person. He's a he's a freak athlete. So, you know, Matt Rule talked about, like, if I can't make somebody like that into a good player, then I'm not a very, very good coach. So I'm, I'm excited to see. And again, Quinn Clark, I think, is like the prime example of that. He's a he can play receiver. He was a good defensive back too. I mean, he, mm. you know, his coach told me that, you know, even though he's like, he's also um, an incredible punter. 
Um, he was, he, uh, you know, I watched him play and uh, he changed the game with his punting ability. Not that he's going to punt for Nebraska, just to show you the kind of athlete he is. And then uh, they had the, this, the team he played for Gallatin high school. Um, they have a really good kicker and he, he stepped up and practice and hit like a 50 yarder to Quinn Clark, even though he's never like kicked a ball hardly ever in his life, um, stepped up and hit like a 52 yarder. So, I mean, it's just like some people are just freakish athletes and they're just good at everything. And I, and Quinn Clark is one of those people. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this staff develops him over the next four years. And uh, in terms of my best NFL prospect outside of Dylan Riola, I'm going to go. It's a tough. It's for me. It was a. It was a really tough choice between uh, Grant Bricks and Carter Nelson because I do think that Bricks. You know, I don't know if he's going to be a, a left tackle at the next level. Maybe not even at Nebraska. Looking at his arm length, but I think he could be. You know, an elite guard. Um, like one of the. You know, I, I think he could be a. Uh, day two draft pick, you know, as an offensive guard down the road. And uh, Carter Nelson, I feel the same way about. I mean, he's 6'4", 205. You know, he can, you know, teaching him to play tight end um, is going to be, you know, and watching him play receiver and getting handles. I just think he's going to be such a versatile weapon. And with his athleticism, I think three, four years down the road, you know, outside of Raiola, I think he's going to be the best NFL prospect. So, I mean, I could see Raiola obviously being a first rounder, but Nelson and Bricks strike me as guys that, you know, have a very good chance of at least being like a day two pick in a few years. Yeah, and, you know, you look at just how other offensive linemen, you know, from Nebraska have, you know, made an impact in the NFL. You look at a guy like Kim Jurgens, a former tight end, and now I saw him uh, making a couple pancakes on uh, Monday night. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see because, truth be told, and it's not as common that it happens but some players you know they find their groove better in the nfl and they find their home in the nfl better than at the collegiate level so it'll be interesting to see um you know how the offensive linemen do this year and you know we see we've seen their highlights and you know we've seen their tape so to speak but you know it'll be fun to see them in live game action and to see how it translates and truth be told i think they're going to be better developed than you know, the past Lyman classes have been, I know people are probably, you know, throwing a little bit of caution to the wind, given how some of our linemen have developed in previous years. But I think these, these, uh, you know, Bricks, Tamua, you know, somebody like Gibson Pyle, I think, you know, these linemen are really going to be built for the long term and, you know, life after college football. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think the progression, you know, we saw a lot of positive development this year for from, the line under Donovan Rayola, which is why, you know, he got, you know, an extension under Matt Rule. And I think we're going to continue to see that going forward. And um, it's just, yeah, th- this entire staff, we've talked about it before, but there's just more of a focus on the line, you know, Matt Rule, you know, that he has a background in that. And so I just think it's, it, there's more emphasis, you know, he just, he really put an emphasis on being strong in the offensive and defensive line. And they did that last year. Uh, the defensive line was damn good. And the offensive mm-hmm. line, yeah, maybe it wasn't the best in the Big Ten, but it took a it took a measurable step yeah. forward with a lot of the same guys. I mean, they added Ben Scott, and it was the same guys, and they took a huge step forward. So, uh, I mean, who they led the Big or they were first or second in the Big Ten in rushing. So, I mean, you know, with with three quarterbacks that basically could not throw the football, and they still ran for over two hundred a game. So that tells you something about the offensive line. Um, all right, so. Biggest sleeper in this in this class. And so, you know, we we have a couple different categories, you know, under ranked and then also biggest sleeper. So a little bit of a difference there. 
but just in general, who, who's your biggest sleeper in this class? This is a tough one, um, but because I think there are a lot in this class. But um, Keelan Smith, I think, will be my biggest sleeper. Uh, the 2023 Missouri um, High School Athlete of the Year by Max Preps. You know, 17 touchdowns over a thousand yards. You know, he, I think, you talk about a positionless offense right now. He's listed as a tight end, but he could easily go play as a wide receiver. And, you know, I think when you look at this tight end class, you see a lot of names, you know, Ian Flint, uh, Keelan Smith, you know, guys like that, plus, you know, Carter Nelson. And then, you know, a guy on the roster like Thomas Fedoni. There are a lot of tight end names, but I think that offers them the flexibility because I think a guy like Smith and, you know, somebody like Nelson don't necessarily have to be just boxed into the tight end position. But in terms of the biggest sleeper, for me, it's Keelan Smith. I don't know how he flew as under the radar as he did. Yeah, I would agree. I'm going to go with Keelan Smith as well. Um, I think, you know, we're going to do underranked next. And I thought about him for that position as well. But he is in a ranked 790, which is underranked for him. But um, you look at his career, one over the last three seasons, believe over the last two seasons, 112 receptions, 128 receptions for his career, 2,087, 2,187 yards. Um, and it playing in Missouri, 28 touchdowns, uh, 17 yards per reception. This is a kid that I think is going to come in and, and uh, yeah, I think people are going to look back in a few years and like, how in the hell was he ranked as a three-star recruit? How was he not, like, how did Missouri not go in there and recruit him harder? Um, so, yeah, I really think he's going to be, you know, a guy that is talked about. In the, I think he's going to be an NFL player. His dad, um, Neil Smith, obviously is a pro football Hall of Famer, so he's got the bloodlines. He's got the size he produced this year, and it's going to be fun to watch him, you know, wide receiver, tight end. I, I think maybe he ends up more as a wide receiver, but – you, just, you never know. Maybe they move him as a move tight end. I mean, it's a lot of the same thing, really. You know, a move tight end and a slot receiver. I mean, there are differences, but you know, pass in the pass. <clears throat> excuse me, in the passing game sense of it, it's they're movable pieces. So, yeah, I, I 100% agree that uh, Keelan Smith is the biggest sleeper in this class. And there's a lot of movable people, um, movable movable pieces in this class, and you know, I think that also speaks to you know, the different possibilities that we could have on both offense and defense. And, you know, I think it's important to have positional versatility and to let players go where they fit best. And I think, you know, a, a class with this much talent allows them to do that. All right. Working our way through, <clears throat> excuse me, most uh, most underranked. So you could see, you know, a little bit of a similar thing with the sleeper. But this really is defined, you know, talking about the ranking. So who you know, in this class, are we going to look back at and say, like, they definitely should have been ranked higher. And it could be, you know, it could be anybody at any I mean, it could be Dylan Raiola. Maybe you think you should have been ranked number one instead of number six. So who's the most underranked in this class? Vincent Shavers, easily. Uh, he is an absolute go-getter. He can play off the edge. He's tremendously quick in his pursuits. He has good, you know, side-to-side -side speed. Um, you know, he's a guy, and actually, prior to him, I thought it was Braylon Fruity, but Vincent Shavers to me I mean I understand you know Florida is a big state and you know he, he was originally a Miami commit so they saw the value in him but I don't know how he's not at least a four-star I mean he is going to be an absolutely massive get I mean just thinking about him and McGahee and Fruity and that it's just the possibilities again are endless but I have to go with Shavers 
I'm going to go, I'm, and this might surprise some people, I'm going to go with Daniel Kalen. Um, so he's ranked 559 overall in the composite rankings for 24-7. Um, the 36th ranked quarterback, like this guy was at the Elite 11. I feel like he's much better. He's a much better quarterback than number 36, and he's much better than 559. I believe that he should be a four-star. I believe he should be a top 350 player, a top 20 quarterback. That's that's how I see Daniel Kalen. Um, I think that it hurts him that he's from the state of Nebraska. You know, mm. the competition isn't as stiff. But, I mean, he he won an award at the Elite 11 rank, you know, academy, um, I believe, for accuracy. So, I know everybody is on yep. the Dylan Viola train, and, and I'm there too. Like, I'm, I'm the conductor of it. Like, I want him to start, you know, day one. But at the same time, like, I think Daniel Kalen has the chance to give us some real depth at the position. And he's going to help this team over the next three years. You know, if if he if they can get him to stick around, and then if if they do, and he's a starter for two years, like that's the dream scenario for Nebraska because this guy will absolutely win games here. I 100% believe that, and uh, so I hope that it all works out. I've talked about that, but he, that's why I'm going to go with this most most underranked because I don't know how Danny Dimes is in a four star. I think he actually might be on one of the recruiting services, but by and large, he has been you know, tremendously disrespected in terms of a national evaluation standpoint. Yeah, he was, you know, at, at one point, 24-7 did have him as a, um, I believe, as a four-star, but they dropped him down. He's a three-star even in their rankings. So um, they still have him as an 89, but um, I just I just think that his accuracy, you know, like, yeah, he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but, you know, I just think the mental part of it and, uh, you know, the decision-making, I think for college quarterbacks, you know, and being accurate and being able to, you know, process and make quick decisions, I think is just those two things can can take you a long way in college football. So I'm, Actually, I'm excited I, about him. Can I add a name to that uh, list really quick? Uh, David Hall, I think, you know, him and Kalen are both in 89. I don't know how Hall's not a four-star either. Again, I think maybe it's because he's from Nebraska, but I mean – Man, he can fly. He has all the speed to be a downfield threat. He is going to be really good. I think he is tremendously underranked too. Yeah, and you mentioned Braylon Pretty. I would say him too. He was another guy with the uh, you know biggest sleeper. I mean, uh, you know, he he's like six whatever. He, let's see, six four. I believe he is. Um, let me pull it up here, just so I don't lead you guys astray. Um, but I mean, I, I he runs a four four two. Um, and and uh, that was the stopwatch four four two from Matt Rule, and th this was a camp kid, and they they saw him at the camp, uh, ran four four two. Matt Rule had him running again, ran another four four two, and this is on a stopwatch. This isn't electric time. This is a stopwatch four four two. Um, he's ranked a one um eleven hundred and sixty six. So he's not even in the top eleven hundred players in the country. The only other scholarship offer he has is uh, Eastern Illinois. So you know definitely. Braylon Prudy, watch out for this guy, whether it's at safety, linebacker, corner, somewhere. Like uh, He's another one like Quinn Clark that Nebraska, I think, is going to be excited about. And uh, we'll see how they develop him. But at any rate, uh, as we move along now, we, we talked about this one. Nebraska's got a lot of great you know, position halls, quarterback, wide receiver, uh, secondary, linebacker, I think, is you know pretty decent. Um, you know, So who, who do you think is the – what's the best position hall from the 2024 class? quarterback we needed i mean we we needed quarterbacks desperately and sure it's easy to say because of riola and you know kalen but you know when you look at <laughs> what our quarterback room was just a month ago and how we couldn't even throw an overhand pass and 
Now you have two Elite 11 quarterbacks. I mean, sure, you know, they have the name and, you know, they have, they get a lot of media attention. But like you've said before, we were, you know, a good quarterback away from going to the Big Ten championship game. And, you know, we were a quarterback away, in my opinion, from beating Michigan State. And, you know, there, there were just so many. We were a quarterback away from scenarios over the course of the season and you know it's sure it's easy to pick the quarterback position but I have to go there I mean I think it's going to be an absolute game changer because quite honestly we haven't had consistent solid quarterback play I mean sure Casey Thompson was good but I mean I can't remember the last time we had solid consistent quarterback play because I wasn't exactly on the Adrian Martinez train either yeah I agree it's uh, definitely quarterback is the best position hall offensive line would probably be my number two you yeah. know, with uh, Preston Tamua, Grant Bricks, um, you know, Gibson Pyle, I really like, you know, some of the guys that they got up front. Tight end, obviously, is another, you know, with Nelson and Ingerson. And, you know, if you want to put Keelan Smith there, even wide receiver, if you put Keelan Smith at wide receiver, it's a pretty damn good haul. Uh, but just the quarterback, I mean, getting one Elite 11 quarterback would have been great for Nebraska, um, you know, but to get two, and uh, that's just the ideal scenario for this team. And uh, the way that they want to do it, they want to build through high school recruiting. They don't want to build through the portal. So, you know, this is the way to really, um, you know, have sustain, sustained success, not not be a one-year wonder like Michigan State. They had one great season and then they sucked. You know what I mean? Like doing the transfer portal thing. And that's a lot of these teams that do it that way. You know, like look at Colorado. Like we don't want to be Colorado right now. They signed six people in their entire recruiting class. and But like, they nailed the transfer portal. They did, yeah. I mean – but let's see how that works out for them, though, because, like, I mean, you're bringing in 18 – I mean, you're turning over 20 guys, you know, every year. And, I mean, we'll just I, – I'm very interested to see how that works out for them because, you know, I just – I just don't know how you build a team with six high school recruits. Like, so you're just going to be going into the portal every year. And that's the thing is, like, you I, – I just feel like you create this mindset of, you know – the Colorado, I feel like the Colorado guys, they go there, they either they're going to play and it'll work out great or they're going to be gone in a year. You know, like if a guy transfers in there and doesn't play, he's not staying, you know, so there's there's just not really going to be, you know, any type of program uh, development there. So I don't know. I, I, I like what Nebraska is doing and I like the focus on high school recruiting. So me too. Um, me too. And then uh, the last one here, well, we got two, we have a few more actually. So let's go uh, biggest fan favorite who's going to be the biggest fan favorite uh it's very easy for me to say riola um but i honestly think it's going to be danny kalen i mean just being a local nebraska like local nebraska kid um and quite honestly um you know i think it could even go to you know hall or mcmorris i mean this is such a cop-out answer, but I think a lot of these guys are going to be fan favorites just from the way they play. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Kalen, but I could also see somebody like, you know, Pyle really being a fan favorite too, the way they play, the, the way he plays nasty. Uh, you know, somebody like, you know, Preston Tamua being a fan favorite because, again, he's a big, he's a, you know, big-time player. Um, I could see Vincent Shea, like, there's so many fan favorites to pick from, I think, in this class because, you know, they all put their nose to the grindstone and work extremely hard. Um, I'd say, obviously, besides besides Dylan Raiola, you know, who's an obvious answer for most of these questions, I think it's going to be Grant Bricks. Um, I think it's going to be Grant, Grant Bricks. I believe that this guy is going to be the second coming of Zach Weiger. And I know that that is a big 
you know, that is that's a big thing to say. I know that I realize that. But if this guy plays guard and I know that, you know, that's why like on three listen as an interior offensive lineman, he's six, five, like Zach Weaker. Watch this guy and watch this guy drive block. I mean, this guy is maybe the best run blocker in this entire class, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I agree. And uh, I think he's going to be pancaking the crap out of people. And Nebraska fans are going to absolutely love this guy. I Gibson Pyle, too. I definitely. Yeah. I mean, man, when you have Gibson Pyle and Grant Bricks and Preston Tamu on the same offensive line, holy hell, those guys are road graders. Like they, you know, I mean, like talk about guys that just want to get after you and maul you like those those this 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 offensive line class is going to be one that Nebraska fans love. So I'm just going to put it at that. And quite honestly, a guy like Jake Peters, I mean, he's the same type of way. Yep. And, you know, they're, they're all the same style of lineman. And I think it's what Donovan Rayola, not anybody else, wants. And that makes a big difference, too. Yep, I 100%, 100% agree. There's a lot more alignment between the O-line coach and the um, offensive coordinator and the head coach and all that. So all, being on the same page with your coaches, it's amazing how that makes things work better. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. so uh best fits for offense and defense Davon Hall for offense I think when you look at you know, his ability to run after the catch and you know that pure speed and yes the speed can be said for a lot of these players um you know Hall's six one, you know 180 but um you know he is he is a burner man and you know I think he'll be able to showcase his skills in this offense. And, you know, let's not, I know I just said Hall would be the one, but honorable mention to Isaiah McMorris and, you know, Clark as well. So there's a lot of good fits for this offense. And I think Hall is going to really be a good get. I wanted him back when, you know, um, Mickey Joseph was recruiting him and, you know, Frost was still here. So he's been on my radar for a long time. Yeah, I can buy I can buy Davon Hall as a, as a best fit on offense because this is a team that wants to be explosive. Like they want to take shots down the field and they want to create big plays. Uh, basically, they want to run the ball down your throat and then they're going to play action and throw it down the field. And they've got the athletes to do it, man. So uh, yeah, Davon Hall, um, you know, would be a great. I think is a good. I think is a really good pick there on defense. I'm going with Caleb Benning, and the reason I'm doing that is just because. On the back end of this defense, you know, Tony White, like Matt Rule even said sometimes this year, like, I didn't know if a guy was playing cornerback or safety. And I think Caleb Benning is like the perfect, um, you know, representation of that. I, I've always thought he was the perfect guy for this defense. He's an incredible athlete. Um, he's a ball hawk. He played wide receiver, but, you know, he's he's a good tackler. I could see him as a slot corner. I could see him as in, you know, as in the nickel. I could see him playing uh, safety. Uh, very similar to, you know, Malcolm <clears throat> Malcolm Hartzog, and uh, I think that Caleb Benning is going to be a playmaker in this defense for years to come. Vincent, Vincent Shavers, you know, I mean, I think I, I know you mentioned him already, but for me, you know, he's a guy that I just, you know, watched his highlights and I'm like, wow, I see why they got him here. And it was very mm -hmm. similar to Willis McGahey. So I feel like people have a lot of PTSD from the last group of Florida players, but yeah. I think these guys will fit fit much better. And, um, you know, I think hopefully this builds a better Florida pipeline than what was here before. And I think it has a chance to. I think there's just a better culture here before, um, yeah. you know, and so. But, yeah, I agree. Shavers and McGahee probably were my next outside of Caleb Benning. They were my next two. Just I think that they're 
perfect for that jack position um or even the weak side line you know i could even see one of them being a weak side and one of them being a jack you know it's just it doesn't tony white is so smart about using using guys to find the way to uh to get the most out of those guys so um all right last signing day uh recruiting class superlative biggest program changer who's gonna have the biggest impact on this program in three years are we not allowed to pick rayola I feel like that we are we are allowed to pick uh, Riola, I think here, but I'm uh, gonna, you can pick somebody else too. You can go first because I'm going to search this one because I'm not going to pick Riola. Uh, that's just an easy answer. Well, I mean, I'll say Riola as my you know generic answer because that's probably the right you know answer. But outside of Dylan Riola, biggest game changer, I think I think it's going to be Carter Nelson. I think that Carter Nelson is just going to be you know a kind of player like Nebraska has rarely seen before. You know, just a true mismatch nightmare, whether it's, you know, just every time he touches the football. I mean, this guy is, you know, I, I could say that he could be the next, you know, Travis Kelsey or whatever, but like Travis Kelsey, I don't think is as good of an athlete as Carter Nelson. So like, really, I do believe the sky is the limit for this guy. And whether it's, whether he reaches that potential here at the next level, I just think like, you know, he's going to, outside of Dylan Raiola, I think he's just going to give Raiola an incredible you know, weapon to utilize for the next three years. So that that's what I'm going with. You kind of stole mine, so now I'll have to think. Um, but biggest program changer, I have to think. Let's see. I'm going to say probably hmm, Grant Bricks because I think it's going to start you know, a culture of a stronger offensive line. We already saw it a little bit last year, um, you know, but the fact that he's a highly rated offensive line commitment and, you know, the fact that you also have a guy like Preston Tamua here. I know we only supposed to pick one guy, but, you know, Grant Bricks to me and the rest of the offensive line recruits, I think can really build something special. I uh, 100% agree there. Uh, he's another great choice. Um, so a great recruiting class altogether. So hopefully that... Gave you guys some insight. Before we wrap things up today, we wanted to touch on some of the transfer portal rumblings. We got a, a few things out there. Um, since we've last did our show, Dante Dowdell um, has scheduled an official visit that will take place next week, um, next weekend, I believe. Um, and he obviously is the uh, former Oregon running back, um, essentially ranked as a top 10 running back prospect by every recruiting service. As we said before, Oregon, they kind of misutilized. They really did him dirty in the sense that they burned his red shirt for six games and it only there was only like two games where he carried the ball more than twice so they basically burned his red shirt to give him like one carry in two games so i think that's part of the reason why he transferred they've got they've got their top two backs next year so they're probably like what what's going to prevent these guys from blowing his red shirt again and then all of a sudden he's down two years of eligibility he hasn't even played like 11 games so um this guy is a legitimate talent though and if nebraska can get him he'd probably be you know the best running back addition. I, I don't know when, but he would be huge. He would be a perfect fit for this scheme. And hopefully that, uh, that visit will turn into a commitment. And the wide receiver from wake forest is also going to be visiting, I think next weekend as well. So that, that's, I, uh, what's his name off the, I can't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Jamal banks. So he's six, four, 208 pounds. Um, he's had over 600 yards receiving each of the last two years with wake forest. He's got like 1400 career yards. So, I mean, not like a superstar, but he would just 
he would give you that size, you know, um, that big wide out on the opposite of like Malachi Coleman and just kind of, you know, just, just a veteran, I think to help with that, help with that development, you know, cause the there Marcus is Washington role kind of that veteran role. Yeah. And you know, like there is something to seeing somebody that's been there and done that before, you know, like these guys are obviously going to play, but it's nice to have that leadership and uh, just, I, I think he would be perfect. And I wrote this on Twitter, but Michigan is the main competition right now. And he's supposed to be visiting Michigan next week, but here's my thing with Michigan. Okay. Like, I know that they're a great program, but they don't do NIL very well. They just really don't. They basically, I mean, so I guarantee you Nebraska will have more money on the table. And Michigan just does not prepay NIL. They just don't do it. Um, and then the other thing is, obviously, Nebraska, it, there's no question about who the coach is going to be next year and who the quarterback is going to be next year. At Michigan, there's a million questions. It could be Jim Harbaugh. It could be J.J. McCarthy. Or those guys could both be in the NFL next year. So you could have an entirely new head coach, an entirely new quarterback, and uh, they're not going to they're not going to give you the upfront NIL money. And so I don't know what Jamal Banks' motivation is. Maybe he really wants to be a graduate student at Michigan. I mean, you know, because academics really matter to some people. In Michigan, that may be one area they have an advantage on Nebraska. But if, if this is a football decision, I and if, if Jamal Banks is, you know, unless he's willing to wait, you know, for like a month or so, like if he wants to enroll by the winter semester, I 100% see him being a Nebraska Cornhusker. I feel like there's always a million questions as to whether Jim Harburg will come back but um yeah no i i, mean, I agree <laughs> i i agree with you they're always ha i mean the last four years as a michigan person it's really annoying but he's got this 125 million dollar offer on the table that he won't sign so it's like you know i truly believe if they win the national championship he's gone i i just i think he wants to win a super bowl i don't blame him for that his brother's looking like he might get number two this year and uh he's 60 years old so it's like how much longer can he coach college football if he wants to do so? I don't blame him if he goes, but in terms of the Nebraska side of things, there's just so many question marks there, and they're going to give him – and Nebraska's going to 100% have a better NAL offer, and uh, so that's why I think he's going to be a Cornhusker. Yeah, and, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see if Nebraska pursues, you know, Evan Taylor from Texas A&M, who's currently in the transfer portal. So they're Evan definitely – Evan, or sorry, Evan, Evan Stewart. Yeah. yeah, Evan Taylor is actually a commit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. So Evan he Stewart, is. yeah. Um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do to fill that veteran role. Um, Stewart would also be a good, or yeah, Stewart would also be a good addition. And you know, it's um, I'm excited to see what they do because I think they are cooking up something at the wide receiver position. It's just going to be a question of who. And yeah, Stewart would be nice. I think Stewart Banks would be a one-year guy. Stewart obviously would have multiple years of eligibility. I think three. And uh, so yeah, Julian Fleming looks like has chosen Penn State. He posted something on his Instagram that uh, wasn't like an announcement, but it was basically like a new car he rode, and it was like a dealership that's known to give NIL deals. Love to that. So, um, so that and what, that's not a surprise. We expected that, but I do think that uh, next week. Just just keep an eye on it, guys. I think we're going to see some good transfer portal news next week. So that, that's my prediction. Somebody gave me a car. I'd sign with them, too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, people <laughs> like want to get mad at kids for taking money, but it's like you do the same thing. Like, yeah, you know, I would I, I would 100% do the same thing. And this is the it, new world of recruiting. Buckle up, people. You know, don't tell my bosses this, but if like, a you know, my, if another newspaper came to me and offered me the same salary plus a car, I would obviously take it. Oh, like, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's human nature. You get the best you get the best you can, you know, unless it's unless you have other reasons. So um at any rate, guys, 
hopefully you enjoyed the show. Um, we'll be back, I guess. We'll be back on Monday. That probably or no, I'm I got my days mixed up. It's Tuesday, right? I don't know what day it is anymore. Today is Wednesday. Good gosh. We'll probably be back this weekend. Maybe we'll put together a stream or something this weekend. But uh, at any rate, uh, we're, we're moving into 2024 fast. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button already, uh, please do that. We appreciate all the interactions. And as always, guys, go Big Red. Go Big Red.